0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 224 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with...
1: Laura! Hi!
0: How are we today?
1: We are doing okay. Yeah, it's been a nice... um, We're recording on Father's Day, and it's been a nice day of cake, and Finding Nemo, and Hercules, and all sorts.
0: And... It does obviously make us recognize and, and pay tribute to the many fathers in the Final Fantasy franchise, too.
1: And the fathers who listen to our podcast as yes, well. Yes,
0: there are many fathers everywhere.
1: Yes, many, many fathers. You just have to look. Yes. But yeah, no, and I'm thinking about obviously my, my dad in America and my great pop and stuff. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's been a nice day.
0: Yeah, no, it has it has been really nice, and um, we've got so much stuff to talk to you about today as well, for everyone who's listening. So hopefully, we can round out the nice day with a wonderful discussion about the Final Fantasy Seven Remake. Ooh,
2: <laughs> look at us! It's
0: going to be so exciting because yeah, there's been quite a lot that's happened in the last two weeks. Not specifically about the Seven Remake, but more specifically about PlayStation. Mm. And kind of what they've shown off, what we kind of know now about the system specifications, and we're starting to see other developers playing their hand a little bit. So, we're going to have some discussions around what we're going to expect from part two. Mm. For those who have not played the 7 Remake and are kind of worried, this will not be a spoiler conversation. We're not going to be running through the actual content that we're expecting to see within part two and and how part one may impact that it's more just going to be speculating around what's going to be like on the playstation 5 what potential breakpoints are going to be um different statements that have come out that that kind of thing so don't worry do are <laughs> safe you're safe you're, you're safe. safe before we do dive into that conversation though we are now going to do some patreon shout outs and the first one we're going to do is chris morales michael graham barry norton at Notron zero
1: Thurin Bullen at Massacre23.
0: Fayez Bilal. Louis James. Zach Durande.
1: Rachel Casserton at Irby Yon-Ray.
0: Zelda Clone at Apes-Type Novels.
1: Darren Matthews at Doomster73.
0: Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Ryzen. Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namjian.
1: Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson.
0: Miles Ribbons.
1: Chris Pope at Doctor Pop 181
0: Freya Stella. Flip Nus. Tom Hughes at Tom Underscore Hughes22.
1: Yam Potato
0: Noah Littrell
1: Mitch Elliott
0: Sam Ennis
1: Tim Michael Verne at Phoenix02SA
0: Joshua Johnson
1: Lauren Luscombe
0: and Chris Willis Thank, Thank you, you guys, guys so much, so much. I also want to give a huge, huge apology to Tim who has been with us since the FXN date FXN FXN because we had missed the shout out the last couple of episodes uh, through nothing but negligence on my part. So I'm really, really sorry about that. Hopefully this apology has more than made up for it. And I also want to give a big thanks to Lauren and Chris for increasing their pledge since the last episode and to Joshua for joining us as a new patron this month.
1: Thank you guys so much for joining and upgrading and and just love. Just being nice people. Yeah, just thank you so much. For listening. Yes.
0: To everyone who listens, yeah. without you, we will be talking to ourselves, which yes. we are kind of doing right now.
1: It's true. It's true. But it's fun. It is very nice.
0: It is fun. And that's that's going to lead us on to our feature discussion, mm. where we're going to talk to ourselves about the Final Fantasy VII Remake <laughs> Part 2. And this conversation was really spurred on by the news that motion capture is taking place at the moment in Japan,
1: mm.
0: despite them working remotely. Now, I don't know... i'm not too sure how that works yeah but they found a way to make it work
1: well maybe they're just doing scenes where it is just a single person
0: they i think the two two actors were talking about working together on scenes i don't know maybe they could stand
1: far from each other
0: they could be doing facial motion capture Mm. they could probably send out the gear to do that in, in home
1: it'd be interesting who knows but yeah um that's pretty cool I mean, it must be so hard to have a game in development during this time because, like, it just must be so frustrating.
0: A game with that scale as well. But in some ways, they may be used to it because Mm. you look at how many different companies were involved with the Final Fantasy VII Remake production. Mm. They are used to working with people that are not in the same office as them. But I guess it's more that the, the individual pockets of people... In the departments, will be having to work with people that are obviously quite far away and they can't just look over at the desk next door and say, yeah. Hey, come look at this. Yeah. Which is what you always see in those documentaries, isn't it? When they're like running around the offices. I remember like the Kojima Productions one where they're doing Death Stranding. Like, there's always. It's always a senior person looking over someone's shoulder and pointing at the screen or getting some feedback.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but, like, I think, like, the more creative industries, they just always need to have to be in an office, like, to or at least be in the same vicinity as each other. Like, um, I know, like, m- some manga artists, they all work together in, like, a little closed room. Like, I, I watched one on YouTube where... um there's this really great YouTuber, and I don't actually know his name, but whenever you search, like, Japanese person in a day, he's always doing, like, little small documentaries of peop- of a Japanese person's work life, and one of them features primarily manga, a manga artist, and I imagine games development is very much like that, because you have to make so many decisions, like, so quickly, when um it comes to what you're working on that i think it would just be so hard to be like are you going to send it through are you going to put it here are you going to do that are you going to do this like it just must be so difficult
0: it is interesting though because this whole situation has made a lot of companies really think about what it means to what's the point of an office in some Mm. regards because there are many industries where the office has just become this kind of symbol yeah that you all go there because of history yeah but now obligation you yeah like you can't go there now and most companies are doing okay from what i gather they've yeah. been able to work is still getting done despite the lack of trust everyone's always had that people just goof off at home and don't do anything it's just like there's so many things about the traditional work environment especially with this kind of work like game development and kind of more i don't know like more tech industry stuff where give people tasks they'll get them done sometimes it's going to take them less time Sometimes it's going to take them more time but they will get things done and i think that's probably still happening now it's just yeah things may be happening a bit more slower while they're trying to figure everything out and obviously stuff like this motion capture typically like when you're looking at the like the uncharted documentary it's in a massive room Mm. and they've all got the, the the bubble suits on and there's so many people there overseeing everything that's going on like it must be so hard to do that but there's many industries now that are starting to especially like the, the the bigger budget industries are starting to work around that um like obviously a lot of sports are going back now they're just doing mass testing mm-hmm. and i think there's a the thing that joe rogan because no one's wearing masks or anything on his shows and they're obviously they're very close to each other that Everyone everyone that's going on his show has to be tested for coronavirus before they go on there. Like mm. if you've got the cash to do it, you can just pay for the testing and it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah. And I'm sure that a company like Square Enix for stuff like motion capture and things where it's actually integral that people are in this, in the same location, the same vicinity – they probably would have the budget to do that. But I don't know what the regulations are like over there compared no, um, to other other places.
1: No, and that's what's a really big mystery. But um, but either way, yeah. so
0: getting away from that stuff, that was just what kind of spurred on the the, yeah. the thought in my mind to have the conversation about this because we had the PlayStation Vive reveal not too long ago. It was a huge... It was, it was so weird to think about how big that event was because I guess it was the equivalent of their E3 press conference. Mm. but it was their biggest ever i think it was one of the biggest i don't know if it was the biggest ever playstation press conference or it was just the biggest ever gaming event ever but it was crazy like Mm. they like got the same amount of views as xbox series x has had in like two months in less than a day i think it was like i can't i'm not even gonna say the numbers because i'm gonna get them wrong But I know that it was, yeah, it was really, really popular. And I think we've talked about it before, um, just not on the podcast, obviously, because we wouldn't have had the chance. But the the press conference really had games for everyone. Like it started off with the AAA games where it's all about the graphics and the ray tracing and blah, blah, blah. But then they had other games that Lauren is incredibly excited for (laughs) that were a bit more kind of hit and miss in terms of whether or not they would appeal to everyone.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I was—we've—we've we've sort of gone back and forth about this a bit because when we watched it, Daryl was just like, "I don't understand why they included bug snacks," and i was just like, "But that's the thing that so many people are quoting, like since the PlayStation Five event. I think probably everyone has at least listened to or." like hummed or said bug snacks (laughs) since you know like everybody so many people are talking about bug snacks I think it's just um, difficult
0: with that kind of event because it was so focused on the games and normally mm. within those press conferences it's about the same length Mm. but you have lots more intermissions of people walking on stage off stage people talking they didn't really do any of that like there was little bits of talking between certain announcements but it wasn't very long
1: but i didn't mind that because if anything i do get bored
0: yeah but i guess what i was trying to say was that it with with the way they did the conference there was kind of like there were real low points in terms Mm -hmm. of what they were talking about like they went through okay so here's like well they started off with spider-man and then like gran turismo but then there was like i don't know four or five games that were kind of lesser budget Mm -hmm. that were given quite a lot of screen time Mm -hmm. and i it's not like I I know that those games have to feature because it's they they they're trying to appeal to so many different audiences and that's, yeah. and that's fine. I guess it was that I felt they probably could have done a better job of doing some highs and lows and mm. having like here's a big game, now here's kind of two smaller ones and then here's another big game and here's two smaller just just to keep because like those big games are the mass market big ticket items that a certain percentage of people that are watching are good it's just going to appeal to them yeah which is why they obviously started off with gta 5 because it's such a huge property yeah like i know like 50 60 70 percent of people watching have probably got gta 5 played gta online i don't know and like something like horizon you know it's huge like spider-man was was one of the best selling um playstation 4 uh, exclusive titles sold like 11 12 million copies so about 10% 10% of, or 15% of people that have a PlayStation 4 have bought that game. So they know that it's going to appeal to a certain percentage of people. Whereas something like Snacks that may sell a couple of hundred thousand copies, maybe a million if it's like really pushing the boat out. But it's a very niche, very niche title. And they had quite a few of those because there was the- mm, um, Little Devil. The Little Devil inside. They had like um, Result, Returnal, um they had the kind of high school uh game as well yeah it was kina and um they were just they were just like quite, it felt like there was quite a lot of those kind of yeah. games in a row mm. before they then built up to horizon 2 at the end
1: yeah but maybe it's also just because like it's it's hard isn't it because this is like the launch titles for the playstation 5 and not even
0: necessarily i don't think I well, maybe not the launch, yeah, but cause... like
1: these are like the big ones that are just coming out and maybe maybe the other AAA titles just aren't ready to to sh- sort of show yet, or maybe they just don't want to focus on it yet. I don't know. Like, because what other AAA games are like, other than like Cyberpunk twenty seven seven? I can't think of what else they could show. I'm just trying
0: to think about previous games. So when they've done press conferences before to announce the console they have usually come in and maybe it's something they've learned their lesson around. I'm, um, I'm, I can't remember the PlayStation four one, but PlayStation three and, and before they would usually go in with like some really big, heavy hitter titles that may not even be coming out for four years mm. because like Killzone uh, two was the big one for the PlayStation three. They had the final fantasy seven tech demo. Yeah. Like they just throwed whatever the hell they could to, to make people think, wow, I need this console, yeah. and like back in those days, and obviously times have changed because the, there's so so much, such a broad spread of games you can get now. But they would just got they would have just gone like, let's just show every single possible game that's going to appeal to the biggest demographic of people yeah. with budget, mm. if that makes sense. Because obviously, like now, games like Fortnite or like the big ticket items, they yeah. didn't feature at all. But we no. know that's going to be on PS Five.
1: Yeah, I mean, I. Like, obviously, we'll never know fully what their decisions were. But, like, I didn't mind it, honestly. I didn't mind it either. And I did, like – because in events past, they've always sort of shutted all – they shutted all the, like, indie games all in one segment where they just kind of play them. And you think, like, oh, they're cute. But I didn't actually really care about them, which is really sad to say because there's a lot of really amazing indie titles out there that I – should play and are really fantastic. But it's just like because I didn't know enough about them, I wasn't I wasn't overly like wanting to play them whereas now like I'm I really want to play Bug Snacks. I know I'm going to be one of the 200,000, but like I really want to play th- Bug Snacks. Um I really want to play the Athena um Akina, Akina, the one with the little the little Aquina, sprouts. Yeah. Oh, they look so cute. And um, uh, I want to play uh, The Devil Inside Psycho because it's, adventures. it's really, I don't, like, I really think it's cute, but I'm like, I'm more excited to play games like uh The Devil Inside, the little devil inside. Oh, I'm probably saying it completely wrong. But like the art style of it is just so cool. Like, it's so different. And I'm really curious about it. And like, those are the kind of things that I'm like, I, I would have, I wouldn't have, really taken a second glance at them and i'm sad to say that but like i probably wouldn't have done unless they were like presented to me in the way that they did at the playstation 5 event but then we also had like Ghostwire; seeing that for the first time was really crazy but yeah i don't know i I just i didn't really have i didn't really have an issue with how it with how it came together um it feels like you're
0: defending something that i I I didn't say I had an issue okay, with it either. Okay, okay. I don't know. I think I think what they yeah. did was a really good thing. I'm just cool. saying that I know that there were kind of issues with mm. with with that flow. Like, yeah. Yeah, as you said, like they normally just do like an indie game montage, so they can. It's like classic Xbox conference yeah. where they're like, "You're going to see 80 games in this conference, and then like 20 of them are shown in four seconds."
1: But I guess the thing is, is that like maybe like to me, I felt it was nicer that they stripped it down. It was just not full of just fluff and like games like cause the Grand Theft Auto 5 thing, you and I just both looked at each other and we're just like, oh my god.
0: It's gonna be on three consoles. It's gonna be
1: on three consoles and we still haven't had bully. Like what the hell? I mean, granted, I don't think that we're probably ever gonna see bully now considering the way it that does the world not is. print
0: money the same way that GTA Online <laughs> does.
1: It is not going to be um a well liked game in this current climate. But Yeah, like, um, I think it's just, we're just in a weird weird stage of everything.
0: But yeah, so obviously in the build up, there was the rumors that Final Fantasy 16 was going to be shown. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of hope, I think, that you'd either get to see the 7 remake on PS5 in the same way they did GTA 5, or that they were going to do a teaser for part two. Mm -hmm. And there was a rumor that Luminous Productions' new game was going to be shown as well one of those things happened we (laughs) got to see project athia and even though we didn't get to see too much the the final fantasy 15 inspiration was very clear yeah with the team and what they showed and i think it's going to be nice to see the game when it comes out obviously we'll probably never know how much of that is going to be um tabata's vision Mm -hmm. i know that he obviously laid the great he laid the groundwork for what they've done but you know most of that would have been really really early on and it's no different from what happened with like final fantasy 7 right sakaguchi's like yeah you're gonna make a detective game yeah we're not actually (laughs) Um,
1: sorry uh. or like poor george lucas with star wars
2: yeah this is my
1: plan for the three series nabra thanks george bye okay thanks bye see you, see you later thanks
0: so yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that like we're going to be obviously really looking forward to, to seeing how that pans out and there has been a lot of comments coming on about how it's vaporware it doesn't even have an official name anymore because it's what well, any i'm not don't know why I'm saying anymore because we didn't know it had one before mm. but it doesn't have an official name project Athia is a working title mm. it may be it may become the actual name of the game who that sounds knows pretty
1: cool to be fair
0: but yeah, so I, I don't think it's too far off. I mean, PlayStation set it as their cover image Out of all the games that they were shown on that press conference that they could have highlighted, Horizon probably being the main one they showed in terms of what they expect to sell. Project Athia is the one selected as their kind of main, main push. Mm. So it, it can't be that too far away.
1: Yeah. No, like, I mean, it's... I, I I really want to learn more about it because, like, I mean, obviously, yeah, we saw the bits that that reminded us of Final Fantasy 15. But, like, we don't really know anything about the storyline, like, why the hell she was wearing one thing in one area of the game and then completely different outfit in another area. And it looked like a completely different world. Like, it was really we just yeah, it's hard. It's hard because we don't really know anything, anything about it. Um, I'm also just like, I mean, my heart kind of yearns for Agni's philosophy, which is what we thought that we, we were under the impression, um, Tabata was working on, like, that's what we thought that it was going to be about. But like, I do still wonder if they're going to feature the witch somewhere.
0: I think there's going to be some kind of feed into it. Because like that design
1: was just so cool for them not to include her somewhere Yeah, why not
0: reuse those assets?
1: Like she just looked so awesome with her big feather coat and stuff.
0: And it's also like one of the most viewed trailers they've ever, ever produced.
1: Yeah, like I think that would have been really, that would be really cool if they could, I mean, if if they are planning on putting her in, if they had put her in the trailer, that would have like set the world ablaze.
0: Yeah, because I think the funny thing is that because there was so little press really around Luminous Productions, there were a lot of people I've seen just saying like, okay, so who, who is this company developing this game? Why should I care about it? Mm. Because those things matter. Like if, if the Naughty Dog logo comes up, you know it's going to be a good game. Same with Insomniac. Like there's certain development studios you just know mm-hmm. and Luminous Productions have never released a game. Mm-hmm. So no one really knows what to expect. And I don't think anyone outside of our circle really associates them with final fantasy 15 Mm -hmm. or knows that they did it because it wasn't released under that banner yeah but anyway getting back to final fantasy there's nothing shown not mentioned at all (laughs) um and actually like uh i think it was a couple of weeks before uh even though matt cedar had uh, who's the ceo of square Enix, had said in the past that they were doing cross gen and you know they were Without explicitly saying it, basically saying that Seven Remake was going to be coming out on the PlayStation 5, he's now kind of backtracked because an investor outright asked him in their recent call, is the Seven Remake going to be coming to additional platforms? And he said, we're not going to comment on that at the moment, which was a bit strange yeah but i i feel as though the reason that they are doing that is for a financial reason Mm. because if he did come out and say yep it's being developed for playstation 5 right now i feel as though it may hinder sales Mm. of the playstation 4 version because people would hold off buying it Mm. so i feel like they're trying to play a bit of a bit of a game in terms of making people because as soon as they put that out there Everyone's going to report on the fact that it's coming to PlayStation 5. And unless they make some kind of statement, like CD Projekt Red have done, and I'm, I have to say that CD Projekt Red are so good with their communication. Mm. Whenever they do things, it's always a massive statement. And it's always like really clear and precise as to why they're doing things and what they're doing. And I feel as though they've now kind of set the standard for what other companies need to do. yeah. And yeah. if you're not aware of what they've done, basically they delayed uh, Cyberpunk again. And they've done that because they will be making it so that when the PlayStation 5 comes out, the PS4 version of Cyberpunk will be incredib- like enhanced when you play it on the PlayStation 5. So they're going to be doing kind of um, like an upgrade essentially So you can put the PS4 disc in the PlayStation 5, it will have better graphics, better loading times, better textures, better frame rates, everything will be enhanced but they are also working on a PlayStation 5 version that will release at some point next year and if you buy the PS4 version now you will get the PS5 version for free and that will feature even more content because it's being purpose built for the PlayStation 5 and I feel as though, like, if they were doing that with the 7 Remake, that would be such a sell mm-hmm. because people will have many issues with the 7 Remake on PlayStation 4 as it is. If they said, okay, when the PlayStation 5 comes out, 7 Remake is going to get a, a massive boost on that system. Textures are going to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Loading screens are going to be better. Frame rates are going to be solid. Graphics are going to be improved. Everything is going to be better. And we're also working on a PlayStation 5 version that's going to come out next year. Mm. Like, everyone will be so happy with that, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that it's like, that's such good promotion and it might make people more inclined to even just buy the PS4 version because they just think like, well, crap. Like, it doesn't even matter. I might as well just buy this now and then I have the PS5 version. I
0: think, And that's why I think CD Projekt Red have done such a good thing here because yeah like there's going to be some companies who are hoping to go with the old model of ah, uh, well they bought it on the ps3 so last of us remastered they'll buy it again PlayStation 4 so double cheap. sales right yeah whereas cd product red are basically saying like yeah buy the game now get the yeah. game now it's, yeah. it's like it's kind of like a um a new way of doing the pre-orders, pre-order yeah
1: it's like a pre-order for the playstation 5 version
0: exactly so they're getting the sales in now they're not they're not um they're not saying to people, don't don't get it now because the PlayStation Five is going to be coming out. The PlayStation Five version is going to come out next year, mm. um, and then when that comes out, people may not have the money. Mm. They may there may be something else they want to buy. They maybe don't have the time. They maybe read the reviews and they're not too sure about it. Yeah, they're just saying buy it now. You don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. You can buy it on the PlayStation 4, play it on the PlayStation 4. You can buy it on the PlayStation 4, play it on the PlayStation 5. And then when the PS5 version comes out, you get it for free. Or you, you can wait just for the PlayStation 5 version if you want.
1: I guess that's the other thing as well, is like the term, the manner of like timing, like... With PlayStation Five, um, you know, you just sort of think, well, when do you release? When do you re-release the Final Fantasy VII remake on the PlayStation Five? Because everybody's gonna splurge all of their money on the PlayStation Five, and they're only gonna be willing to buy certain games on there that they that they want. So it's like, do you wait like a few months after it's launched to release it, re-release yeah. a game like that? Like it, it just takes out all of that complication
0: because yeah like if they said right now they came out with a statement similar to cd product red saying and very few companies have done this by the way i think destiny 2 have said that it's going to be kind of like an upgrade to playstation 5 Fortnite, which you'd kind of expect and i think fifa Mm. but that's pretty much it um if they came out like really soon and said if you buy the 7 remake now when the playstation 5 comes out it's going to be enhanced by default Day one mm. I would expect there to be like a, some kind of small boost, yeah, and it 's another encouragement for people to buy the PlayStation Five, which, as we 've seen in their in the past it 's in their interest to try and push up the install base mm-hmm. so that when um, their games come out there 's more potential buyers for their games, yeah so they Square Enix will also be needing to encourage people to buy the PlayStation Five. And we've already seen because Project Athia is a PlayStation Five console exclusive. It's also it's also coming out on the PC, mm-hmm. but they are going to be supporting that system yeah. as opposed to, to to Xbox Series X. Mm-hmm. So it kind of suggests that the Seven remake is going to stay a PlayStation exclusive mm. over the next generation. We shall see, though. Um, but the other yeah. thing, the other interesting thing is that, and I don't know if this is one hundred percent confirmed. But because of the backwards compatibility, the uh, saves are going to be transferable probably between the systems. Mm. So if they are going to be putting in mechanics whereby uh, it's going to kind of think about what you did in the last playthrough and that's going to have an impact on the next part, Mm. that obviously will factor into things as well with with the PlayStation 5. And if they do do this upgrade system, it doesn't matter whether or not you've bought the PS4 version and the next part is on the PlayStation 5. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like the only reason it matters is if you
0: don't want to buy a PlayStation 5.
1: Yeah, so hard because I want, I sort of think like I want Square Enix to do the right thing, like by that standard, like I want them to copy CD Projekt Red, but like there's that small part of me that's just like thinking they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Cause they want to get the money. They just focus on the money. Like I just I want Square Enix to prove me wrong once <laughs> that they're not like, you know, just that way.
0: There is also the devil's advocate uh thing whereby they are struggling with development right now. Yeah. Maybe they don't have the time to focus on doing that. And they'd rather focus on just part two and trying to get that out in a timely manner.
1: Maybe it's just hard. They could
0: outsource it though to another country.
1: Like it's just I don't know. I think it's just like an almost old-fashioned way of thinking that Japan just hasn't hasn't caught up with yet, like a lot of big Japan uh Japanese companies haven't caught up with yet that like people aren't daft, people can be treated with respect.
0: I mean, ultimately, if a lot of companies start going down the same route as CG Product Red they're going to have to fall in line they, yeah. they, they, because of peer pressure. Yeah, yeah. I know that Sony have already, and they've missed the boat on this with the 7 Remake, but Sony have put in place a mandate that any games coming out after July, I think, on the PlayStation 4 have to be compatible with PlayStation 5 as well mm. to make sure that the backwards compatibility worked perfectly. Yeah. So the 7 Remake missed that boat. So it doesn't yeah. have it, it may not work. It doesn't have yeah. to,
1: yeah.
0: But either way, so with that in mind i think it's pretty pretty certain that ps5 is going to be where the, it continues mm-hmm. how many parts do you think they're going to be and and kind of what what are you expecting uh, in terms of release schedules around that
1: oh my god i have no clue <laughs> like it's just all up in the air i mean to be honest like what i would prefer is like It would be great if it only was every couple years, I think. Like, it would be nice. That would be a nice pace. Um, But like the, like, Star Wars thing, you know, you have a December off, and then you had episode eight, you had a December off, and then you had episode nine, you know? Like, it was nice to sort of think, like, okay, a year's gone by, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get this game, this next part. Um, Whether or not that's actually going to happen, nope clue whatsoever because like i guess it's the thing they have to add all new characters all new locations they still have to work out how they're gonna sort of do the open world the map like they have a lot of stuff that they have to sort out for this next part and i don't know if we'll fully know how how long it's gonna take them to do this kind of thing until We see the next part and see how long that takes. But like, that's my hope. My hope is every two years.
0: I mean, uh, Nomura has said that he wants to do quicker releases in shorter Mm. parts. Mm. And uh, just some some really good speculating here. So when they did the announcement that things were going in-house, that was two years and 10 months between that point and the game releasing. Mm Mm-hmm. And we know from the Ultimania that when that shift happened, they ended up redoing a lot of things. Like a lot of the story was redone, a lot of the assets were re re uh, reworked. Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, they changed a lot of the gameplay around. Uh, so even though there was a lot of stuff done by CyberConnect, it was largely spruced up. Let's mm-hmm. say, or uh, or yeah, reworked. And uh, if you, if you take so e3 last year kitase had said that they were well into planning for the next part yeah. by november namura had said they were already kind of doing a lot of production work on it so if we take that e3 date and say two years 10 months on from that because yeah sure they've got to produce a load of extra assets and stuff but they also do have a lot of assets that they can still do they don't have yeah. to come up with a completely new gameplay system yeah they don't have to redo cloud tifa barrett Aerith. you'd hope yeah you'd hope mm. um So a lot of those things are already there and they should have all the systems in place to make sure that they can do things faster Mm -hmm. now than they could before. So if you say two years, 10 months from the E3 date, then actually that puts the next part release date at the 14th of April, 2022, which is almost two years to the day Mm. after the release of the first part. And if they did that cycle of, of a game every two years from that point, then it means that the quadrilogy is that what a quadrilogy
1: i guess
0: would be concluded in 2026 which would be roughly when the this console generation is coming to a close because typically it's six to seven years like at the moment playstation 5 came playstation 4 came out in 2013 and in 2013 so it's going to have been a seven year cycle Mm. and the overall cycle is usually about 10 years but not many games come out after that point. Mm-hmm. That would be um they will be cross-generational games but that's assuming that PlayStation 6 even does that. Yeah. In the same way. Yeah. Um but yeah so that's that's kind of like it 20, 2026 2027 is when the, the the it needs to kind of round it out.
1: Which is just weird like it would be an entire console ge- it could be an entire console generation length of time but i mean that's not
0: too uncommon really Mm. you think like gta3 vice city san andreas like uncharted 1 through 3 uh, mass effect 1 through 3 assassin's creed as well Mm. like they do typically try to get about three games into a generation Mm. so that would work if they were if they were doing longer parts though, but less then you could say 2023 and then 2026.
1: I guess the hard part is can, like keeping the audience interested. Cuz like even even with like the uncharted series, each game is a different game. You don't have to buy you don't have to play through Uncharted 1 in order to get Uncharted 2. Like there's like small things that you'd miss, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Whereas with like Final Fantasy VII remake, you're going to have to play all of the parts in order to get into it and it's going to it's be also, interesting to see how
0: they get around that stumbling block. Yeah. But like Mass Effect had that same problem, but they it were... It did,
1: but it was still quite contained. Yeah. Like Mass Effect 1 was like, it felt like a contained story. And then the next one, it was a completely different enemy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was obviously a progressing storyline. They had mm-hmm. it all planned out from the start. But yeah, it's it's true. But they did have that recap because I know that yeah. with the PlayStation 3 version, it didn't come out on that console originally. So they had to have like a, a mini video to condense the story of the first one so that you knew what was going on. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they get around that problem mm. because ultimately they want a Mass Effect situation where part two sells more than part one. Yeah. It's difficult to see that happening, but it's obviously what Assassin's Creed managed to do as well. Mm. But Assassin's Creed had the benefit of Ezio new character new environment new world explore this amazing thing you don't really need to worry about desmond desmond um so yeah it it is it is going to be interesting to see how they get around that problem
1: i almost feel like they have to they almost have to hook people in with the new characters
0: how did kingdom hearts 3 sell in the end
1: i don't know
0: let's check that out um because obviously that's going to be one because there's a lot of stuff around the fact you need to know the story Mm. for for the kingdom hearts franchise because there's so many spin-off games as well yeah and let's see how that one sold uh five million copies sold fastest game in the franchise and that was just two weeks after release and that does that put that as the best-selling game in the franchise can we do kingdom kingdom hearts 2 sold all in kingdom hearts 1 didn't it i'm pretty sure Kingdom Hearts Two, where are you? What did you sell? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Kingdom Hearts Two has maybe sold about six million.
1: Um. So, uh, to, by 2007, no. they've sold over well, four million. So yeah, yeah. technically, Kingdom by Hearts that, Three is already sold. Has it's sold the more. best-selling game in yeah. the franchise. So
0: yeah. clearly, it hasn't mattered. They've been yeah. able to do a good job with the promotion around that and got in get got people bought into it. And maybe they did that because of all the Disney tie-ins. But, yeah. But I mean...
1: But they also re-released all the games right beforehand as well. They did. Which also helps. So, so yeah, it's,
0: it's, not, it's not impossible for them to, to, to sell more with could the next they start one.
1: Doing, could they start doing Final Fantasy VII Remake 1.5 remakes? <laughs> you know, could they like Crisis 1 and 2 and combine stuff. it? Like just put it all together? But yeah, like I think I think that's I think the new areas and then the new characters are going to be kind of like their selling point, but it's going to be hard with the next one because I don't know like I think probably the next part would have Yuffie and Kate Sith.
0: I was thinking it would because Red 13 will technically well, be a Red new 13, character, yeah. right? So that's that's one they showed off Kate Sith in the game. So that's mm-hmm. two. And I, I feel as though because uh, Yuffie and Vincent were optional characters, they'll be saved for later as well as Sid. That's, that's kind of my gut that they those three will be saved for, for a later one because they've got to have something yeah. for either part three or part four if they're going to have a part four.
1: Yeah. I guess it's just the fact that like, which one are you going to think is like a, a are either of those hooks or <laughs> either of those...
0: I think Red Thirteen will be a hook because he was really, really pushed under the carpet this yeah. time because he featured right near the end. But, you know, there's it depends how they're going to do. So, like, the breakpoint of the next game probably needs to be, if they're going to be doing four parts, it needs to be kind of Junin. That's like a, mm. a really big city for them to end on. But it means they have to do the flashback sequence. Mm. And Sephiroth probably needs to feature doing that so they could be more pushed around him. Like, if, if they're going to do the four parts, then it to me, it makes sense for them to do kind of a Dunan cut before they they leave continent. But that's a that's a, a similar thing to leaving the city. You're leaving the continent. Mm-hmm. Then you do kind of city of the ancients cut, and then from there on was kind of like it's the end game. You're you're moving towards like the final push to defeat Sephiroth at, at, yeah. after that cut. So that that to me makes sense as a four a four game thing. Yeah. A three-game one. I'm not too sure. Like, I guess that it would makes the cut point would be Nibelheim. Like, yeah, for part two to end.
1: Yeah, it's hard.
0: But like Nibelheim, yeah, because then you're 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 cutting just before everything happens at the ci- the city of the entrance and
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and really like that whole thing should be a finale of one of the parts.
0: I feel like yeah, cut four parts just seems to work better in my mind and and if it is true that that it means they can put them out a lot faster if they do it that way mm. i think everyone will be happy with that as long as it's the same size as the seven remake yeah because if you play it on a hard mode you're looking at a good like 60 70 80 hours of gameplay yeah it's decent
1: yeah i'd be happy with that but i really am wondering like what they're going to who's going to go where what's going to go i just yeah it's going to be interesting
0: that is a discussion for another time. time. For another time. It's been fun though. Um, yeah. I, I think there's just so much to speculate around what they're going to do. And it's going to be amazing when we first start seeing information about part two. Everyone's mm. going to just lose their minds. Because I know. No one knows what's going to happen. Mm. No one knows how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. It's just crazy. Yeah. They, like, I think they've got so many people just buy the hook with it
1: yeah yeah like i just i'm really excited for whatever they do i just i don't know if we're going to hear hear anything about it anytime soon so i wouldn't i wouldn't hope too much i wouldn't put too much like getting your hopes up and seeing it anytime soon
0: i mean if it's going to be a two if it's going to be coming out in 2022 which is my optimistic hope then they really need to start talking about it at some point this year because they mm. typically like to have that nine month, like six, <laughs> well, six or 12 month lead them because obviously yeah. this time it started in May, released it was supposed to release in March. yeah. Um, so that would have been the 10 month build up, ended up releasing mm. in April. But they typically like to have that, like before that point, they will just do little things like mm. to show a teaser or, or something like that. But I feel it's unlikely for them to, if it's going to be released in 2022, I feel it's unlikely for them to leave everything for that 10-month push.
1: Mm. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I just don't want them to show anything prematurely.
0: Which is their speciality.
1: Yeah, they're really good at it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 7th of July. Until then, be sure to check out all our news coverage at FinalFancyUnion.com. And if you really enjoy the show, then please do support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. And with that, it's time for us to say goodbye.
1: Goodbye, everyone.
0: And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFancyUnion.com production.